this is Date, But Don't Sin, a limited episode podcast designed to help Christians in their pursuit of holy dating. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Date, But Don't Sin. This is your host, James, and I do have a little bit of a cold, so I'm trying to tap into my deeper voice, but if you hear some nasally stuff creep up there, you know why that is. Today we're asking the question, should I consider dating a non-believer? I see the compromise of dating a non-believer happen to both men and women, but I think women can be a little more susceptible to it, and that may be because there are typically more girls hanging around in Christian circles than guys, so they face the temptation a little bit more because there's there's less selection of good guys out there to date. But I want, I want to start out saying that no one really starts out thinking that dating a non-believer is okay or a good idea. It's only after they've been single for a while and then this charming young guy with a nice smile strolls into the picture. And after flirting for a while, the girl finds that her heart is really swept up in this. And that's when she starts to ask the question, should I just go for it? Should I date this guy? Or maybe the question sounds more like, would it really be so bad to do this? Here's your answer. No, you should not do this. Yes, it would be a really bad idea to date that non-believer. And let me say this. Your relationship with Christ is supposed to change everything. It takes a dead heart and pumps new life into it. This relationship with the King of Kings reorients the big and the small parts of our lives around a singular majestic purpose, and that is praise. Just by considering the question of whether or not dating a non-believer is a good idea— You are proclaiming to yourself, the church, and the watching world that the difference between being a believer and a non-believer is marginal, insignificant. If you're thinking to yourself, sure, we disagree on this one thing, but there are so many other things that we have in common, you have a fundamental misunderstanding of the realities of the Christian existence. It changes everything. And if it doesn't, if it hasn't, then something is not right, and that may be something to be examined. The Bible makes it clear that we were enemies of God's rule and reign before he brought us from death to life. Our flesh was hostile to him. If you date this non-believer, tell me how this enemy of God is going to spur you on to praise your loving creator. Doesn't something about that seem a little off to you? If it seems like I'm too fired up about this, or I'm taking too strong of a stance about this, It's because I've seen some lovely young men and women shipwreck their faith because of this very issue, and it breaks my heart. I want it to stop. This podcast is about the all-out pursuit of holy dating. For it to work, both parties need to be committed to the idea. A non-believer is not going to put your personal holiness as their number one priority. It just won't happen. They might put their own pleasure and happiness as their number one priority, But what will that mean for you? It's not difficult to predict. Holy dating is difficult enough when both parties are committed to it. The thing that makes the liar, the deceiver, so successful at making us engage in destructive behavior is that he takes what is dangerous to our souls and throws some glitter at it to make it look less scary. And we we fall for it. That's why we need to be vigilant. We don't need a toy with things that are dangerous. We need to turn our backs and run away. Proverbs 22.3 says, A sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keep going and are punished. 
So let's be sensible, not inexperienced here. I know that doesn't seem brave, but we're weak. And we only have the ability to be strong and brave when we're in Christ. And Christ does not toy with the unholy. So if we're toying with the unholy, we're not in Christ at that moment. So we need to turn and flee until we are back safely abiding with him once again. Now, listen closely to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't have friends, especially same-gendered friends who are non-believers. We should, absolutely, without a doubt, cultivate relationships with those who don't know the peace and life that's found in Jesus. There is no question that reaching people for Jesus through relationship is effective and powerful. But dating is different for a myriad of reasons, not the least of which is that dating will one day, most likely, end up in marriage. We cannot control whether or not someone surrenders to Jesus as their great king. Now, he may have preordained that we have influence in that decision, but we won't know until after that decision happens. And if we end up married to someone who doesn't know Jesus, there is no guarantee that this person will one day believe. I don't care how persuasive you are, because that's not how salvation works. So if you go ahead and date that non-believer, and then marry that non-believer, you will have married someone who is fundamentally different than you at the most important level, and your walk with Jesus will be affected and tested in ways that could have been avoided had you not taken your dating life into your own hands and instead trusted your loving Heavenly Father. Some of you who are disagreeing with me about all this stuff might be rifling through your Bibles to get to 1 Corinthians 7. Because verses 12 through 16 say, If any brother has an unbelieving wife and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Also, if any woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce her husband. For the unbelieving husband is made holy by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him leave. A brother or sister is not bound in such cases. God has called you to live in peace. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. Now you might be saying here, See, James, it's possible. It says you might save the person you're married to, so it is okay to date a non-believer. In order to address that line of thinking, I just want to look at the audience that Paul is writing to. Because as an interpretive rule, it's a good idea to ask, what question is the author trying to answer? And in order to do that, we need to consider who his audience is. He is talking to the Corinthian church. Christianity is in its infancy here. So many people have recently been saved from sin in various stages of their life. So it's fair to assume that many people became Christians, but their spouse has yet to believe, and may never believe. So the question that Paul is trying to answer is, how should these Christians practice faithfulness to Christ, their new master? To this question, Paul answers, don't leave your spouse. Stay with them, serve them, so that they might see Christ in you and believe. He's not saying, attention, single Christians. We are now launching our official evangelating platform. Get out there and win us some souls. I'm quite sure that Paul knows of the heartache the believer will experience as they care deeply for their spouse and watch them repeatedly reject their precious Lord. Listen, Christian, holy dating is happy dating. I want you to experience the freedom and joy that holy dating offers, and that means don't date that unbeliever. It will not end well. 
I don't say all this to keep you from happiness, but from harm. God doesn't withhold good like a malicious father. He cares for us, and he wants good for us. I hope this episode has blessed you. If you have thoughts on this episode or things you want to hear in the future, you can email me at datebutdontsin at gmail.com. Until next time, date, but don't sin.